0: Good morning. It's really wonderful to be back here with you uh, this morning. Um, Many of your faces are so familiar to us, and Dave and I are so excited to be back home as such. Um, But I'm going to begin this morning by sharing a little bit uh, about Dave and I's journey in terms of uh, getting to Malawi and and a little bit about the country of Malawi as well as what I'll be involved in when I'm there. And then Dave's going to come and share a little bit later on then about um, why we're going and what he'll be doing uh, but on the, on the screen you should hopefully see a picture um, of uh, some, some children uh, from Malawi and then the slogan underneath uh, the warm heart of Africa now that's actually the tourist slogan um, of Malawi and the tourism board uses that and I can honestly say that Malawi is a warm hearted place uh, the people there are warm and welcoming and extremely friendly um, on first meeting and that's something that um, has always really impacted me um, every time I go there and um, folks always give such a warm and hospitable welcome um, they are also just so so interested and open and warm in terms of uh, wanting to know more about Jesus. And they're also wanting to really um, learn and understand more about what it means um, to know and follow him. They're, they're warm in terms of wanting to think about spiritual matters. Uh, the country itself is also exceptionally warm. Dave demonstrated that by a hot water bottle, which is probably not the most <laughs> appropriate picture um, in terms of the heat. But when we arrive at the end of this month, it's probably going to be anywhere between 35 to 40 degrees, and with lots of humidity. So you can think of us as you're putting on your boots and uh, scarves and winter coats. And we'll be probably not using any of those in the next few months. Uh, but we're we're very excited um, to go back and um, to Malawi. Dave and I are being sent out from Kirkpatrick Memorial as Presbyterian missionaries, and uh, Dave's going to share a little bit about what that means, but but basically we'll be going out um, under the Presbyterian Church in Ireland, Uh, but we're going to be working in partnership with Scripture Union Malawi, and so we're really excited to go out there and to work um, very much alongside the folks that are already serving God in that place, and we acknowledge that we have not, um, forced ourselves upon Scripture Union. And the way the PCI works in terms of sending out missionaries is that they always wait for their partners to um, invite and to seek out uh, others to come and work alongside them and support them in their work. So that's very much um, why we're going out. We've been invited to, to, to go. Malawi is very much part of David and I's journey. Um, I lived and worked in Malawi from 2003 till 2009 uh, working with an organization called the navigators working with students and so uh, that's given me a little bit of a greater insight I suppose than maybe the usual average person going out and we know um, a good bit about the country. David's also been involved with scripture union since 1999 but he'll share more about that. I think in terms of us um, going out we we are so passionate about what God is already doing in Malawi and we we are simply going to, to work and to partner with what he is already doing through Scripture Union and many other organizations there. But we also, because of our experiences of having um, known people there and also worked and lived there and, and worshipped there and ministered there we have an insight into some of the challenges that the, the church faces in Malawi and I'm going to spend just a few moments sharing those just to give you a context of where we're going to be working in terms of the situations that we encounter one of the major difficulties that faces the church in Malawi is a real lack of resources now that's not just the church. Uh, Malawi, as a country is exceptionally resource poor. At the moment, um, it's estimated that out of a population of almost 16 million, 90 percent of the population live on one pound 25 per day. So if you can imagine what your um, weekly bills are for yourself, if you can imagine living on about 10, 11, 12 pounds a week. Um, and that's for you and your four or five children to live on. Uh, it's, it's a really, really um, poverty-stricken country. And that brings so many challenges. That affects family life. It affects education, medical care. It affects um, how folks do business. It affects the government. And it ultimately also affects the church. And so for for Scripture Union as an organization, as they work in that place, they acknowledge that the churches are exceptionally resource poor in terms of personnel, in terms of literature, um, and in terms of even encouragement and and the resources to to see folks trained and supported in, in following Jesus Christ. So that's one of the major challenges that then does lead to just a lack of training for ministers and pastors and elders. And so in a congregation, if the minister has had no training in how to handle God's word, in how to preach and how to teach, then that's going to have a direct impact on that particular congregation. And indeed in so many of the churches across Malawi, perhaps there's one pastor and he's actually in charge of 20 to 30 smaller congregations spread out over many, many miles. So you can see that there's many challenges that the church has to face on a week-to-week and um, day-to-day. Another major difficulty that I encountered a lot when I was working there with students was that many, many folks had heard about Jesus. And that's something to be celebrated, something that we're excited and glad about. They had heard about Jesus. They, They had heard a gospel message but they had not been encouraged to grow and to deepen their faith and understanding of God and of his word. And so for me, sometimes I would meet young people and students who had regularly went to church or to Bible meetings, and they regularly uh, decided that they would follow Jesus afresh in those meetings. Now, that's, that's, again, not a really bad thing, but they never seemed to progress or grow in their understanding of what it meant to be a disciple, what it meant to really follow uh, Jesus in the, their day-to-day lives and so that has really led to probably more of a cultural Christianity, more of a churchianity to be honest on, on a Sunday morning in Malawi you'll see hundreds of people, most people walk, they don't have vehicles, so you literally will see hundreds of people on a Sunday morning walking around um, the streets of Lilongwe, the capital city and they've got their Bible under their arms and they're going to church and they do have a belief and a, and a faith, a mustard seed, a small seed of faith but for many of them they just simply do not know what it really means to follow Jesus in their day-to-day lives, in their decisions about how they spend their money, in terms of integrity and honesty, in terms of living sexually pure lives. And so there then is many, many difficulties for the country of Malawi. At the moment, although 70% of people claim to be Christians, over a million and a half people have been infected with the HIV AIDS virus. And so There's also mass corruption in the government. Even within the last week, senior ministers in the government and senior officials were were caught um, in their homes with thousands and thousands of dollars um, of just pure cash that they had siphoned out of government funds. And so that's some of the issues that are facing um, the the people of Malawi and things that cause them to to really struggle in their day-to-day lives. So that's the context in which Scripture Union is working. Um, Many challenges, but also great hope and, and great joy God is working there. There are many, many sincere followers of Jesus Christ, people who have moved on from a simple, simple faith and have been growing in what it means to know, love, and follow Jesus on a day-to-day, and it's really changing and impacting their lives. Scripture Union Malawi has a vision to see children, youth, and families of Malawi truly following Jesus, filled with a hope filled with an eternal hope um, in heaven and eternity with Jesus Christ, but also filled with a hope that can bring transformation to that nation. They, They want to see young people and families, they want to see them really truly living for Jesus in every area of their lives, not just simply on a Sunday. They really want to see them making choices that encourages and develops the country as a whole and can bring the hope and the light of Jesus into those situations. The director of Scripture Union Malawi is, is a friend of ours, Amon Chinika. Amon was actually here in Kirkpatrick last uh, late October, early November. Um, he came and spoke at one of the evening services. And Ammon will continue to be the national director. Dave and I are not going out to suddenly run an organisation that we um, don't know that well. Um, Amon is going to be our boss and will be very much overseeing the work that we're going to be doing. Uh, as a country, um, Malawi is not very big. Um, we were in a breakfast club this morning and we were telling some of the young people that Northern Ireland can fit into Malawi about eight and a half times. So it's not a massive country. Um, so it's actually quite easy to, to travel from, from all different parts of the country. We're going to be based in uh, the middle of the country in the capital city, Lilongwe. And uh, Scripture Union works in all of the major cities: Lilongwe, Blantyre, Zuzu, as well as a big town, Zomba. And then they also have two camp and conference centres in Kandy and Luwandi. And uh, th- those, again, those centres and, and where they work is very much working in primary schools with kids, running Bible clubs, very similar to SU's work here in Northern Ireland, and then also running camps and conferences. For myself, I'm going to be involved in the literature side of things. As I explained earlier, you know, there are a major lack of resources for the church in Malawi. And so Scripture Union are very passionate about trying to develop Bible literature, Bible study guides, daily Bible reading notes for all the churches. It's an interdenominational organization. They want to see folks really uh, being given opportunities to get resources that can help them to understand God's word and then live it out. And so one of the major ways that they do that is working um, alongside different churches, going in and doing things called Bible reading promotion seminars. Um, especially in the urban areas, most people um, can read uh, to a certain level. And so more and more, we're trying to encourage individuals in churches to, to have their own Bibles and to spend time reading them rather than simply um, have maybe never reading it, but just simply relying on their ministers and pastors. Now, obviously, we do encourage them to continue to go to church, but we want to see them personally reading God's word for themselves and allowing God's word to teach them and to change them So that's something that I'll be involved in hopefully when I go out. The other major area is developing uh, literature in the the mother tongue, uh, in the language of Malawi, which is Chichewa, the main language that most of the primary school education is done through. And there's a local team of writers who have been involved in translating and ensuring that folks there can really understand um, the, the different resources that we develop. Because obviously something that's written here is appropriate for our culture. There'll be stories, and references that we can understand because we've grown up here, but they don't always translate to to a country like Malawi, which is so different. And so we want to see materials that are relevant for the people and the culture there. Dave's going to come and share a little bit more now about what he'll be doing.
1: This really does feel like home, uh, and so it is good to be back with you again. From the day I first came here, Christoph knew right away I had a uh, long-standing involvement with the work in Malawi, and that has been here uh, through my time. I started going to SU Malawi in 1999 as uh, someone to go and set up a library, Uh, quite simply to go and set up a pastor's library that local pastors could use uh, to get resources, because there are no books, and even if there were, they'd be far too expensive for anyone to buy individually. And so my connection has stayed with Malawi uh, in that particular area. But I will be going to mainly build capacity within the staffing and the volunteers. Scripture Union's primary work is in schools. I am a former teacher, and so I'll be going in to train staff members how to communicate the gospel in a school context for the current generation. They will teach me a lot before I will ever teach anything. Uh, culturally we have to be very sensitive about how this is done and even within the country itself the cultures between the north the south and the center is vast and wide so we'll be doing a lot of learning uh, before uh, before we do anything much at all one of the first bits of learning will be the language we are going to be learning Chichewa for november and december quite intensely every morning for about three hours uh, someone will be coming to our home and teaching us uh, because all primary education is taught in Chechewa, and so to teach teachers, uh, they may only speak Chichewa, and so we'll be learning that, and we'll keep that going for the first year anyway to see how we get on with it. I'm really not very good at languages, so it's going to be a fun journey for the first two months anyway. We'll be starting work then in January, after the Christmas break, getting into the work with the staff and Bible clubs and schools. Another area of work that I will have is developing a camping ministry in training people uh, how to run and lead at camps. Pam and I will then be working together in this about how to lead small groups and small group Bible studies. But one of the major areas of work is, believe it or not, a building project. Now, if you've been been around here long enough, you know the only thing I'm really good for is building bread um, and sometimes Lego. Uh, But a building a camp and conference center is not exactly my forte and what I trained as, and they don't teach you that at Union College. So to go out and do a building project is a huge task, but it's a vital one for two reasons. One, it's a source of finance income-generating project for the ministry so that it can have a sustainable income. But more importantly, it's about hope. It's about transforming a nation. So you're looking at a picture of a half-built conference centre Where the pictures are taken, there's going to be a 96-bed dormitory uh, for young people to come and be at camps, but we're also building classroom blocks. You see, primary education is compulsory, but secondary education isn't, and you have to pay for that. It's £30 a year, but for some families that's far too expensive. And so for young boys and girls in their teenage years, they sit around the village or they sit under the trees waiting on someone to come and offer work. What we are planning to do as a movement of Scripture Union is to do life skills training where we'll bring groups of teenagers and those in their 20s who haven't been able to get education, teach them how to make bread, teach them basket work, leather work, watch repairs, bicycle repairs, teach them agriculture, horticulture, in short little blocks that they would come to over a period of two years so that they can go into their village and they can be self-sustaining in Uh, their family life in terms of enough food, but also financially as well. And along with this, we want to give some biblical training so that they can be the leaders who are transforming the next generation um, in their villages out in the country and the rural areas. So that's going to be the main bulk of work that I will be involved in. We will put a caveat in all of this. Once we get there, who knows? It's Africa. Even more specifically, It's Malawi. Uh, You have a plan A, but you do keep going through the alphabet to Z, and you make sure you have a plan for everything that could happen. So whenever we report back in two months' time or three months' time, and you hear that me, rather than putting bricks together on a building site, I'm milking goats or something, don't be surprised. That's just how it goes. But the Lord will lead us as he has led us to whatever he desires us to do. Hopefully, as you have sat down in your pew this morning, you've received one of these prayer cards. There's some prayer requests on there. Um, On the top of the slide, I've called this Sending Us. You are our sending congregation. We are communicant members here at Kirkpatrick Memorial. You're sending us, not as mission partners, but as your missionaries. What that means is that on your behalf, we are doing part of this congregation's engagement in global mission. So there you have our prayer certainly for the initial little while while we get started. And on the back, uh, there's our contact details. There's also a website that we're developing that you can connect to and uh, find out a little bit more up-to-date information and our email address uh, there as well. So we ask for you to pray for us and for the work of SU Malawi. Please do remember to pray for the work of SU Malawi. We just happen to be the people going there but it is God who uses this ministry in the country to bring the nation to himself. Do keep in touch. If you Skype, if you FaceTime, we would love to see you um, and your family and to see how things are going because you are our family. And so we want to be praying for you. And to do that, we need to know information. So please do Skype or FaceTime us. You can email us, you can text us, my personal favourite is a letter, uh, but that's no pressure. Um, please do keep in touch. We don't want to go overseas um, and be isolated. You are our family, and this is what the family does for each other. And we will be writing back to you, and we'll be sending videos back to you as well, um, so that we can keep in touch that way. Maybe this is a little bit of a braver one. Why did you come for a visit? My father-in-law turns 76 at Christmas, and he's coming out in May or August next year. You're never too old. You're never too young. Why not think about coming out for a wee visit? Ten days, two weeks, holiday. Come and see us and see what we're getting up to. Of course, there'll be other opportunities for groups to come out and things like that, but maybe that's something that would be attractive to you to come out and spend your holidays in the warm heart of Africa and also seeing a little bit of the work that we do. We are going out with the Presbyterian Church in Ireland. Um, One of the very first things I learned about this congregation is that we're not particularly Presbyterian in many things that we do, which isn't a bad thing at all. But also in your uh, pews today, you would have got a wee envelope. United Appeal for Mission. This is your opportunity to give to mission. Now, it doesn't go directly to us. It goes to the mission of the whole church, So it supports the work of social witness in Ireland. It supports the work of mission in Ireland. It supports the work of the Youth and Children's Board. uh, And it also supports the work of mission overseas. By your giving to the United Appeal, either through this envelope, or if you have your pack of envelopes at home, you'll notice that one of them has a set of white envelopes on the top. There's United Appeal opportunities there to give to the work of mission. It doesn't go to pay for a big building in the centre of Belfast. It goes to the work of mission. Without United Appeal, we can't go to the mission field. Without United Appeal, we can't stay on the mission field. And without United Appeal, we can't come home to tell you the stories of what God is doing across the nations, so that the vision is growing of all the nations being drawn to him. You can find out a little bit of the work. It's quite a literature morning for you. But in your October update, there is the United Appeal briefing for you to have a read at and see uh, what the money of United Appeal is going to. United Appeal is separate from the free will offering, it is its own uh, offering to mission. Um, and so you have everything there. And we want to say thank you for your giving to that because it does enable us to be on the mission field and to be part of this work that God has called us to do. So there you have it. That's the work that we've been called to do in Malawi. We'll be living in a three-bedroom house. Um, it will be about two miles from our office. We are getting a Land Rover, which I'm quite excited about. We're inheriting it. I've shipped out a scooter, so you'll see me whizzing around uh, pictures in a scooter round Lilongwe. Everything practically is coming together little piece by little piece. But why are we doing this? I came here four years ago. I came here to be mentored and really to be trained as a Presbyterian minister. And whenever January this year came round and it was time to start thinking about what the future was, we got a bit of a shock because for us, all of a sudden, it wasn't about staying in Ireland. God was opening doors for us to go overseas. And for me, that was a huge Question in my life. One, was I letting this congregation down by not going into what I should be going into as an assistant minister, a congregation here in Ireland? Was there going to be disappointment that that's what uh, wasn't going to happen? But as I reflected on this, it, it struck me that God has been working in the amazing ways that He does. Over years, He has been teaching me this balance and this view, His view of what it means to be engaged in gospel ministry throughout the world. Whenever I started here, I came from a congregation that focused more on overseas mission than home mission because it was easier to focus on overseas mission. You didn't have to actually tell anybody about Jesus. You give your money all to uh, the missionaries or the mission agencies and, and the work was done for you. There must be something really going on in Crash right now. <laughs> aren't you glad you're in? Well, maybe. <laughs> God's great vision for the world in building his church was capturing our hearts to go overseas and serve him. And our home congregations taught us that that's the easy thing to do for a congregation. Just give your money and let the people overseas do their job. Whenever I came here, my world was flipped upside down because all of a sudden, there was a huge focus on reaching out to the community. Reaching out to the gospel in this very place that is difficult, that is hard, but yet is vital in a city such as Belfast. And to be honest, this is where the battle lines fall in churches when it comes to outreach and mission. You have people who are zealous for overseas work and you have people passionate about home. But it seems to me that it's an uneven scale Because there are very few who see the whole full counsel of God as revealed in Scripture for his passion for the nations. You see, I have learned that these polar positions of we either do home or we either do overseas or we do a little bit of this and a lot of that and vice versa. These pole positions are not good enough on their own. And this is where we go to Matthew 28. I was kind of scared four weeks ago when I listened to the sermon online. Christoph spoke on this very passage, and I started to panic. I thought, oh no, what now can I say? And Christoph gave a very strong challenge on the 9th of September about disciple-making in this place and this city. And the sermon's online for you to go there and to listen to it, because it challenged me about what it means to be a disciple-maker. The passage says, uh, Jesus' last words, which are important, tells us to do this, but Jesus also gives us a context, and the context is disciples of all nations. So even before, long before the church was born, Jesus was giving his followers a task to engage in disciple-making, and it wasn't exclusively local, nor was it exclusively global. It was to make disciples of all people in the world. So as a church, our concern should be for those who are here in Ballyhackamore, in Belfast, and whoever we happen to meet along our daily journey in life. But we should also be concerned about the needs of the world, and the people of the world who are to be discipled also. See, our focus needs to be that of God's focus. A heart and a passion for Ballyhackamore, and a heart and a passion for this world. Really to have a heart concern for the salvation of the whole world. Of course, one of the frequent questions we are asked as we've been going around churches this past month is what we're going to do. And we've been telling you that this morning. But believe it or not, there's there's a more concise answer. We're going to go and we're going to be disciple makers. We just happen to have jobs that help us to do that. You see, we're going to be doing exactly what the challenge from this very lectern has been to you to be disciple makers wherever we find ourselves. You see, your job doesn't define what you do for Jesus Christ, it doesn't determine your opportunities of disciple making, nor does your education background. Neither does your family circumstances, your age, or your location. It is your call to follow Jesus Christ that compels you to be an active disciple maker wherever he brings you, Belfast or Lilongwe. He calls us to go from the end of the pew to the end of the earth to be disciple makers for him. And to be honest, as a congregation, we're going into uncharted territory for what it means to be a sending congregation of missionaries, who will go to work in disciple-making overseas. But what this means for our congregation, along with our continued engagement with our mission partners, I believe is threefold. And I've learned this from the course that we did last year, or a few of us did, called Porterbrook. The course is a manual for how to do church, specifically church planting, and how to structure church that is a biblical New Testament church. And one of the modules that we looked at was about engaging globally. And I have to be honest and say I was very encouraged when I saw this. I wasn't expecting it to be in there. Because my initial thinking of church planting was all about the local. But here at the heart of a church planting manual, these guys who are church planters were saying, no, your local ministry is enriched by your global ministry. And here are the three things that I learned from this. Number one, Engaging globally can give our local church a context. If we believe in God's great salvation plan, which at times we have preached through in some of our Old Testament series, but then engaging in global mission raises our eyes from our little patch here to marvel at the glory of God and what he's doing in drawing the nations to himself. And this is the vision given in Revelation where John says, listen to these words and think about this, imagine it in your mind. John says, I looked and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count from every nation, every tribe, people and language standing before the throne and in front of the Lamb and they cried out in a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God, who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. That image should not be nice, middle-class, white people standing in front of a golden throne of however we vision it. It is going to be every spectrum of colored skin, every gender, every age, every language, every tribal color and marking. This is God's image to us of what he wants, what we're getting to in the place that he has prepared for us. So that's the first thing. Engaging globally gives our local a context. Secondly, engaging globally can give our local church a focus When we look at the work of God across the world in building his church, it can give us a a renewed passion or a renewed energy and hope that the work here is possible. I don't know if you ever think, you know, it is just too hard. Just couldn't do it. I couldn't have that conversation. I, I couldn't mention Jesus to anyone in my social standing. It's only in the safety of church that I can do that. Well, when we raise our eyes and look at the world and what God is doing in countries that are so close to the gospel, our hearts can do nothing but open in honesty before God and say, well, if you can do it there, you can do it here. God is preparing the world for the new creation. But the thing is, with the new creation, there will be no opportunities to share the gospel. Time is short And so bringing the gospel to the ends of the earth is the one thing that the church can do now because in the future, it won't be able to. Engaging globally can give our local church a focus to inspire us to what God is doing so that we can believe he can do it here with the knowledge that time is running out. And thirdly, engaging globally can give our local church new cultural insights Global Mission gives us contact with people of different cultural backgrounds and this can prepare us for the world who are coming to our doorstep. Tim Keller for the past number of years has been beating a drum and that drumbeat has been that people are flocking to the cities. Whether it be from the rural areas of countries, nationals moving into their national capital, or whether it's people from other countries moving in to other cities, he's saying this is happening. And it's no different here in Belfast. You think back 10, 15 years ago and what the demographics would have been. They've now completely changed and it's increasing with those who are coming and choosing to live here in Belfast. These are souls who need to know the love of Jesus and who also need to be discipled. Engaging globally will help us as a congregation to engage with people who are coming to our doorsteps, choosing here to live because our cultural awareness, the cultures of the nations of every tribe and language will be heightened so that we can reach out to those in this nation who are coming from overseas. So as we study the New Testament, we see that the gospel is a global message and it needs to be taken and it needs to be supported from the end of the pew to the ends of the earth. The battles in church are not about the local focus versus the global focus. We are to be disciple makers of all nations and to allow ourselves to catch God's vision of seeing the world drawn to him. And this vision grows when we do life together as a Christian community. It grows when we inspire each other in these moments of of community to to keep going and, and presenting the gospel It also grows when we engage with the world of Belfast in reaching it and its many growing cultural differences with the gospel. And it also grows when we become concerned about the disciple-making work that is going on in the world. Folks, engaging globally is not the call of a maverick few. It is the call and responsibility of everyone who claims to be a follower of Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father, this morning we have raised our eyes beyond our little patch here. And we have tried to engage with what you're doing in the world. And for us as a congregation, we're, we're at the start of that in, in a new uncharted territory of, of sending missionaries overseas. But we thank you that our connection with missionaries overseas and our mission partners grows us. In the great vision that you wish to impart to us of your heaven, the one that is prepared for us, where you are drawing all the peoples to yourself. Father, thank you that it is the privilege to be engaged in disciple making here and across the world. Help us to know how to do this well so that we can more and more grow in love of you and your plans of salvation for this world. Father, inspire us today, inspire us tomorrow and continue to inspire us as we fellowship and community together and as we go out into Belfast and into this world to proclaim the truth of your risen Son, Jesus Christ. In whose name we pray. Amen.